Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball with BLEAV Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I cannot wait for our guest today. I mean, she is a legend. But first, I got to do a quick roundup because to say there's a lot going on in college softball would be a massive understatement. February has just been absurd. I mean, is this going to be the new March Madness? Like, what's going on? I don't know what to say exactly because there's too much to say, especially with all the upsets, but I'll give it a go. So number three, Texas beat number one, UCLA, broke their undefeated streak in their house, and they beat number two, Washington. But then they turn around and lose to Fresno State, hello, now ranked in the coaches' poll, at the Judy Garman Classic in Fullerton, as well as Louisiana. Oklahoma lost to North Texas, also in their house, but then in the same day beat them 15-8. to Quite the doubleheader. Loyola Marymount beat LSU, who was in the top five, and Michigan, then number 13. Baylor and Villanova beat Florida State. Texas Tech lost four games and aren't ranked anymore. It just continues. And thank God for D1Softball.com for putting it all in one place. I don't even know how I would have done it without it. On the one hand, I love it. You know, the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. Parody is good. It's exciting. It's fun. But can we really ride this roller coaster all season? You know, I'd like to see some teams separate from the pack with a little bit of consistency. But we'll find out. It's crazy. But what's even crazier is the guest that I managed to snag today. And this intro is actually a mouthful. There's a really long list of everything that she's done. Two-time Olympian, UCLA Hall of Famer, NCAA National Champion, NPF All-Decade Shortstop, Japan League Pro, Motivational Speaker, Coach, and this will give it away, President of the Natasha Watley Foundation, Natasha Watley herself. Thank you so much for joining and calling in. I'm so excited to pick your brain about literally everything. I can't wait to talk about it. I can talk about softball forever and ever. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I believe it. Well, before I do, quick reminder for everyone that Believe in Softball is available on your usual directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on social Reach me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 with questions, comments, any little thing, and check out at NatashaWatley29 while you're at it. <laughs> okay, I want to just dive right in. I mean, you're, you're a legend. Let's just say that straight up. I know that you're very humble as well, but all the accolades I just mentioned, totally out of control, but a lot of them started in LA, you know, Westwood to be exact. Can you tell me more? What is the Bruin Bubble? Like, what's it really all about? Oh, gosh. The Bruin Bubble is this amazing community uh, that I belong to. Uh, it's almost cult-like. Um, but the Bruin Bubble, it's amazing because um, it just predates me. And it's just a tradition that has been instilled in anyone who comes through 
that program, that we are a sisterhood, that whether you are just starting in the bubble, you have been in the bubble, like we support, it is this like unspoken um, support that it's just amazing to be a part. Um, I, I know that we get made fun of a lot, but it really is like being a part of a, a fun cult. And I don't know, it's just, it doesn't matter like where you are on that journey. And as long as you have touched foot in Westwood, like you are supported through life and it's just this um, sisterhood. And, you know, um, I had a pass through and teammate, she doesn't live in the LA area, but um, you know, her and her partner needed to do some healthcare here in LA and Hey Tosh, can we, you know, just this like, you know, we know that we have each other's back and I'm like, without a doubt, come stay. Don't worry. Like, you know, here's a key. It's just, it's just this unspoken support and just knowing that you have each other's back and it's just, it's really fun to be a part of that and just know that wherever you are in the world that you can reach out and someone will be there to help you. That's really the special thing about teammates. And as much as I was probably overhearing the eight clap when I was at Stanford and we'd play at Easton Stadium. There's no denying the history and the community of UCLA softball. There's just not. I'm, you know, I'm from Southern California. Shout out to the 805. Um, But everybody knows the rivalry with USC and UCLA. It's a big deal to choose. Like, what side are you on? Mm -hmm. For me, it was so easy because, oh, USC doesn't have a softball team. That's easy. Automatic UCLA as a little kid. But it's so much more than just that. Right, right. I think it's the the history. And I mean, if you even just get outside of the broom bubble, which is our softball bubble, like just UCLA itself is just an institution that just speaks excellence. And, you know, it's fun to be a part of that and a part of all the people that have come before you. And the relationships, like you said, are on and off the field. And you played for the great Sue Inquist, won a championship. Everyone knows UCLA has the most softball championships, second most overall national championships to Stanford. Sorry, I had to say that, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, don't even throw that in there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to just do that. But with softball, I mean, league of its own. So what did you think and feel when they brought the championship back last year in 2019? It's awesome because, I mean, being, I was a Pac-10 baby, but being a Pac-12 baby, um, it's just all the rant that you hear in the softball world is that we died <laughs> and, you know, that Pac-12 is, is, is gone. And so, I mean, for that purpose, it's just, you know, it's great to be back on the map. But I think when, you know, they, when they win as an alumni, when you talk about the broom bubble, like we feel like we win too. And we're a part of that and it's just representation it's representing what we stand for at UCLA and just being able to preach excellence and you know being able to hold that championship NCAA um, title it just means a lot and I felt like I was there right in Oklahoma having the winning slide to win the game you know so it's just it speaks volumes and it just it, it's it's great to be a part of that and carry on the tradition. Yeah, it's almost like it's in its rightful place again. And I, I back the pack no matter what. I mean, Stanford's first for me, but like Pac-12, also a Pac-10 baby. I guess we're aging ourselves, but all day. Right, 100%. I love it. And I always see alumni cheering at the Women's College World Series or in postseason for UCLA. Like, you guys show up. Yes. And that's been instilled, like, prior to my playing days, um, and, you know, even just during my playing days, you know, that culture was built and Sue Inquist was so 
adamant about alumni showing up and being a part and connecting us with the alumni while we were there as you know current student athletes and just being able to build that connection knowing each alumni by name and knowing what they do where they are in the world where they live like that was so important to her and it just you know kind of infiltrated to all of us and like just knowing the importance of that so when we left it's just having that same connection with those young ladies who are current like you know we want to know all of their names, where they're from, what they're about. And I think it's just so important because we actually want to show up and be there for them in person. And um, hopefully, you know, it's just this continuous cycle. And you were there in person at the Mary Nutter Classic in Palm Springs, huge tournament every year. There were over 32,000 people at the games from what I read. Insane. So when you looked around there and just seeing all of that, what's going through your mind? Jenna, it is crazy. It is so crazy, honestly. Like I, I had like this weird, like I had like this like chill outer body experience. Mind you, Mary Nutter did not exist when I played in college. So um, post-college when I was on the national team and I played professionally for pride, we did play in that tournament, but I didn't play collegiately in Mary Nutter. It didn't exist. So to know that it didn't exist and to see the growth and to, you know, I've obviously been there in the last couple of years and seeing how many young athletes, families, people just out there supporting softball. Like it was crazy, freakish, out of outer body experience, like just seeing how much our game has grown. Um, the Saturday I pulled up, there was a line all the way out to the parking lot to buy tickets. Mind you, these are just tickets to buy and people have probably already bought tickets and already in there. So, I mean... It's a, it's, I just, I can't believe this is our sport and how much it's grown because it did not look like that 10, 15 years ago. It did not look like that. And so um, for me, and even just me being so far removed, I feel like I'm so far removed, you know, but young ladies still coming and asking for autographs. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, um, I don't know. Have we made it? Softball, have we made it? I mean, I still think we have a long way to go, but it just was so fun to be a part of that for sure. Far removed maybe from actually playing, but definitely not from the community, I would say. And your Bruins took on Team USA. You know, your Olympic teammate, Lisa Fernandez, throwing out the first pitch. Who do you root for in that situation? I just root for everybody just let's grow this game. (laughs) Let's grow this (laughs) game and everybody do good. Put on a show and honestly, like, let's show the world, like, how cool this game is. And um, I just wanted it to be a good game. Um, obviously I want, and I want the Olympic team to be challenged and I'm like, who better to challenge them than the Bruins? So let's <laughs> like, um, and you know, give them, give them a, give them a run for their money. Like let's challenge them. And, you know, they had them beat for a little bit, um, or they were winning, but it was just, I wanted a good game. Yeah. You're rooting for softball. I like it. Yeah. It's kind of the dream. Mm-hmm. And you actually pulled a Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols when you stepped away from college for a year for the 2004 Olympics in Athens. So what does that do, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, especially having to do that away from something as tight knit as the Bruin bubble? Mm -hmm. Well, I, my experience was just a little bit different. I finished my four years of eligibility, but I did have to come back and finish school after 2004, but I didn't have any more softball eligibility. So a little bit different. So um, I can and cannot relate. I can relate in the fact that uh, 
being so close to being a collegiate athlete and then having that Olympic experience, like how vastly different they are and realizing the bigness of being on the USA team. So I think when you're representing your college and you understand that you're representing something, you know, you're representing a whole institution, all those things, but it's just really, really big when you're representing your country and you are going out and really representing a whole entire nation. So. Um, I think that part was the hard transition and knowing that like everything that you do matters and everything that you're doing, you're leading by example and like you're having to be that role model for those young ladies and it's just on the bigger stage. So for that, I think that's the biggest thing for them is just realizing like the bigness of it. And um, it is a big deal. It is. And I'll never forget the Sports Illustrated cover of The Real Dream Team. You know, when I was a kid, I had that. And that was my favorite magazine. I still have it at my parents' house. It was so important. You talk about representation. That's what inspired, you know, my generation to play. And now my generation is trying to do what you guys have done in terms of getting the next generation in there. And it started with you guys. Yeah, it's, um, and, and I, you know, I turned that to, it started with the generation before me, you know, that you're Lisa Fernandez's and Leo, Brian, Amico and uh, Laura Berg, like those were who I looked up to. And so it's just this continuous cycle. And it really is, I think if the biggest message that I have to anybody in the game, it's, it is our responsibility to in turn, like turn it back and, um, you know, show the next generation, like, you know, like our game could be bigger. It could be this and it is great and um, just keep passing it back. And I can't reiterate enough how long the softball community has been waiting to be back in the Olympics. I mean, you were there the last time, Beijing, 2008. What is that actually like? What's it really like being an Olympian? I know it's a grind. And I think you were talking with your old teammate, Lovey Jung, uh, and Mary Nutter on Flow Softball and talking about like, yeah, on our days off, we just got some sleep, we ate, we relaxed, you know. What did, what's that real day today? Yeah, um, that's what we were talking about. Like um, when these, you know, especially with the young ladies that are on the tour now and stand beside her tour, like people just think that they're just showing up to the game and just playing those two hours. But um, you're definitely like trying to build up and train for like a two week period of time. So um, you're waking up at eight, 7 8 a.m and getting a workout in training as a team doing what it, what you need to do all prior to the game so once you actually play the game like your legs are heavy um like you're tired <laughs> and like the last thing you can think about is actually physically playing a game but you know that that game experience is going to be important with that bats you know for pitchers getting their um pitching reps and all those things so i think like just it is a grind being an Olympian and like you realize you're doing all of this for just a two week span. It's just like mind blowing. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, um, you're not getting ready to go play a season. Like, no, you're getting ready for just two weeks. And, um, I think that's like, what's also different. Like as a collegiate player, like you're preparing all fall for an entire season. No, you're just preparing for two weeks and you've got to be at your best for two weeks. And when you realize that, like that's what makes it so big because you've got to be at peak in that two week period of time. Didn't you say also you and Lovey that taking Fungo up with Mike Candrea, you know, former USA head coach, also University of Arizona coach, but that seemed like it was an adventure. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we, it, we like joked off air for about 
like 30 minutes about our fungos with Coach Andrea because Coach Andrea takes so much pride in his defense. And one of the things why I love playing for him, um, just taking pride in the little things and the best way to practice defense is to actually take reps. It's not doing drills and like taking the ball and putting in the bucket or doing all these different things. It's literally throw every single last one of them. And so we would always laugh. Sometimes it would just be loving and I. Um, just taking reps and we would be so sore, like literally like the next day we were like, could you sit on the toilet last night? And we're like, no, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like just being so sore and, uh, but like loving to hate it. And that's what lovey had said. And I'm like, she hit it perfect. Like, cause you like loved it so much. Cause it just like pumped you up, but then you hated it. Cause you're dead tired and sore and all the things. But I mean, I think it just, it takes that like continuous repetition to kind of, to put you forward some of the stuff that you hate the most when you're playing, it's what you look on later that you miss the most too. It's so funny how that works out. Right. Isn't that crazy? I know. And if only in the moment you just like realize like, you're going to love this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Make it yet so much easier, right? Yeah. Like you will miss this promise. Yes. <laughs> For Tokyo 2020, you actually spent a lot of time in Japan. You were in the pro league there. You coached there. What did you experience during your time in Japan that you're excited that we might all now get a chance to see in Tokyo for the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't know, I guess you would have to be there, but I just think Japanese culture, um, just the way that they do things, the way they go about things, they're like the most considerate, genuine, loyal, loving human beings you'll ever find. And so I, I know that the Olympics will be just like every detail of every event would be so well thought out and done to the 10th degree. They don't, um, they're not lax or lazy about anything. So they're going to like go in, I think just with them hosting, I'm just really excited for the world to just see um, Japanese culture, because I just think that they do things the right way. They don't cheat anything. Um, so just the softball in general, like they're softball, baseball fanatics. And so I know that they're going to have strong, they're going to be sold out. Like they're going to have the fan, I mean, the stands filled out every single game and um, just to have, be able to be in that energy, seeing our sport, um, having sold out crowds at the Olympics um, will be, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And you're part of, this tour or the lead up to the Olympics, right? You're involved with the partnership with the MLB. You mentioned the stand beside her tour. How deep is your involvement there? I am partnered with MLB and I am helping them with just promotion in terms of we are trying to create celebrities out of our Olympic team. And, you know, this is the highest stage in our sport and this is the highest level. And, and when we talk about um, having role models and having our, our sport grow, we've got to have celebrities in it and young girls looking up to these athletes. So that's what MLB is. Their aim is really just to elevate um, the experience and elevate the tour, um, create more exposure, bring more eyes to it. And just uh, with Jenny and I, we're, you know, just supposed to, uh, you know, be mentors to the young ladies on the team and, and be that representation from MLB side and just, you know, helping them guide how this tour is going to be. We were able to spend some time with them before the tour started and 
everything that we just talked about, how it is a grind, we were able to share that with them and all the distractions that come with being on the tour. So just being able to like be that mentor to them and kind of share experiences and just let them know like this is going to be a grind, but don't forget to cherish it and um, love the journey because it's going to go by in a blur. It's going to go by so fast. That's invaluable for these players now. And in terms of representation, like we've talked about, you also represent softball, not even just during this Olympic year. Like this is a huge year, yes, but your involvement in the game has never wavered, at least in this community. And so you do a lot of motivational speaking as well. And what do you draw on most from your softball experiences? Um, well, definitely I love sharing my growth journey, you know, like I didn't just wake up being an Olympian. I definitely had, <laughs> had a lot going on. Like, you know, I was a young, stubborn athlete who sometimes just showed up and relied on talent and, you know, didn't ex- realize the extras that had to go in it to like bridge that gap to get to that next level. Lately, I've been speaking about my transition from retiring and, you know, how hard it is to leave the game. And when it's all you know, it's like becomes your identity and having to you know, find out who I really am at the core and what I like to do and what I love to do. And, you know, what am I really passionate about? And that's what I've been talking about as of late. Um, But it's just kind of a a blend of things of just experience and just kind of going through that growth journey um, with young athletes and just even people who have gone through transitions and trying to really find yourself and, you know, kind of pivot to that next thing. It is so hard when you spend so many years of your life dedicated to a craft in the way that we all are or were for softball, it's hard to find what's that next craft that I can dedicate myself to, or is it just a different part of softball or what does it look like? So I'm sure that's been an interesting experience for you, but I'm so glad that you're sharing that. Well, no, it's, it's been hard. And I mean, you know, I never thought that I was like a mentally weak person and you start to like, you know, not that I feel like I had a depression or whatnot, but definitely like I felt like I was grieving at one moment because yes. I wasn't waking up and taking batting practice and taking Coach Andrea reps, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> waking up and like not really having anywhere to be and anywhere to go and okay. I, you know, so that was hard. It Like that was a really hard thing for me to go through because I invested so much time in just to being a softball athlete. So I didn't know anything else. So, um, but definitely it's been, it's been almost therapeutic to be able to share that um, because it is a thing that we all experience and we all go through. One of the biggest ways that you do share your skills and your expertise and your experience is through being that triple threat at the plate, you were, you changed the game. You really did. And whether that's small ball slapping, the girl can hit too. It's been everything, right? And that's such a central focus for you in your instruction now. So why, why is that so important? Do you think? Um, I think it's so important. I mean, I think when you just talk about the game in general, it's all the things that you just said, um, you want to be that spark plug. And I just think it's so important um, to not move away from that. You know, I think, I don't know, just being an outsider of the game in the last couple of years, it just seems that it's a thing to be the big home run hitter and all that thing, you know, all those things. But I think having that blend of power and speed, like you just can't defend it. So I think it's, it's, there's a dynamic behind it where it just brings a whole nother 
a whole nother realm to the game when you have someone you just can't defend. And so if we can build more athletes that way and having that mindset of having a million options when they walk up to the plate, like it just feels super powerful. I think that was what made me confident as an athlete, just knowing like, I got anything that I can put on in this game. So I just think like just being able to, like, I'm just so passionate about having young athletes feel that power and um, just not, you don't have to just be speed or you don't just have to be power. You can be all of it. And uh, you just become that much more valuable to any lineup that you're in. Versatility. There's just nothing like it. And like I said, you changed the game. And now essentially what you're doing is trying to help create new game changers. Yes, 100%, 100%. And it's, uh, for me, that game changer is like a mindset. It's just being able to like, just feel that confidence and know that you are versatile, you can do anything. And uh, <laughs> that's my message for sure. Your message is also so powerful and strong through the Natasha Watley Foundation. And I read more about it and have heard from you about it as well and how it's focused on introducing inner city kids to softball. And we talk about growing the game by getting exposure through media coverage, which is a huge part of it and everything. But it's also about that step of actually getting more girls on the field, right? So can you tell me more about what you and your team are doing with your foundation? Yeah, and it's exactly what you just said, is just getting more girls on the field. But we have to not forget a certain demographic of, of people who may not have that access and may not immediately innately have that opportunity. So I think with the foundation like that is the motivation is to bring that access and to bring that opportunity to a whole group of young girls who wouldn't get that just going through their, their normal daily lives. So um, if we're really gonna grow the game, we can't just focus on the people who um, have that, had that access. At the end of the day, we're going to grow the sport. Um, we're gonna have um, more athletes who are gonna bring more to the game and from every background, every every place on this earth. We just want to be able to give that um, opportunity to them. And that's just the basis of the foundation is being able to um, provide that for them. And if they go, you know, obviously I want them to go on and play softball and be the next Olympian. But if they don't, I think if they walk away with, um, you know, those character traits that we all have gained from playing, if it's, you know, the discipline, the dedication, and then they learn, how to work with others, work on a team, be a good teammate, all those things, and they walk away with that, then I think we've done, a, a, we, we have a win. Um, obviously, I would love for them to go and continue to play collegiately, play um, as much, as long as they possibly could, but, you know, that's not always the case, but uh, just being able to give them, give them, give them the opportunity and allow them to have that choice of falling in love with the game. Visibility creates opportunity, and it's, like you said, representation of people from many different backgrounds, all kinds of people. And in that same vein, Black History Month just wrapped up. Mm -hmm. It's not about the month. It's every day, but right. it's a good opportunity for visibility. So I saw on social media, your foundation featured different athletes like Shay Knighton from Oklahoma, Dina Tyson and her Washington days. What are your big takeaways in sharing these stories? Oh gosh, Jenna, it's so funny. I just had this conversation because I have this like eternal battle of kind of which with what you just said. Like, yes, it's Black History Month and we should, you know, like definitely I, I want to highlight 
these athletes. And, and one thing that I'm, I'm probably going to continue doing is highlighting, you know, more women of color and just in general, and, and, and not necessarily just softball athletes, but in general. Um, but the purpose behind doing it is just bringing light to women who probably identify with all of the young girls who are in my foundation. And just, I want them to see great examples of like, this game can provide opportunity. This game can provide you with success and you can um, get that scholarship and all those things. And I want them to be able to see people that look just like them and that's the goal. Um, but I have this internal battle with just like, you know, why are we just highlighting them only in February? We should be doing this right. all the time. And uh, so that's one of the things that you know, I've said to myself, uh, one of my commitments to myself is just making sure that I put more um, people in front of them that look just like them that they can relate to and doing it year round and not just in February. But for sure, I'm thankful that we do have um, a dedicated month where we can, you know, definitely highlight those athletes. And I want those athletes to know the impact that they are making in this game as well. And, um, you know, just that as a community that we're proud of them to be able to make that impact for sure. It's also giving that feedback back upward to them as the role models to say, hey, you are making a huge impact. Let's let's continue it. Let's get that story out there and let's keep doing it for other young girls. So that's that's awesome. And with everything that you're doing with your foundation, the game changers, with slapping, everything, do you consider it giving back to the game or paying it forward? Ooh. I have never thought about that. I think in my mind, I am paying it forward because in my mind, I want our sport to grow. And through these different channels that, you know, are, are, I am passionate about, whether it be um, getting more representation in the game, you know, giving that opportunity to underserved girls who may not have that opportunity, raising in elevating the level of play for our triple threats in the game. I wanna pay it forward because I want this game to be bigger and better than when I found it. And um, I want it to be, I want it to far surpass, I want the experience that these young ladies have in the future to be grander and bigger than how it was for when I came through the game. And so paying it back means to me just, you know, like, giving that opportunity but like I want to give that opportunity and elevate grow so paying it forward that question it's interesting because everybody refers to these sort of efforts that you're doing as one or the other mm -hmm. but I kind of I agree with you I think think being forward thinking mm -hmm. at the end of the day more what honestly life's about right that's huge Speaking of paying it forward, you know, we started our conversation talking about LA and I want to go back there too with Kobe, you know, you're an LA sportswoman and he embodied LA. You were Olympians together. So much news recently, but his impact really is for years and years. Mm -hmm. What sticks with you the most? Gosh, I mean, I think when you talk about paying it forward, I think that's what he was doing. And he was investing in young women. Yes, he had daughters, but he was investing in young women to grow 
them as productive women in this world, you know, and as, you know, great athletes. And I think, uh, like I've just been, I've been hit so hard. I mean, I think we all have been hit so hard because you don't realize the impact someone's had until this, something like this has happened. And I think it speaks volumes in terms of how much coverage we've seen and how much, especially here in LA, um, just the murals. Like if you just drive anywhere, like you're seeing the Kobe and the Gianna mural, his impact was huge. And I feel like he just was like, almost like this wise prophet that like was on this world. Because when you hear interviews of him and just, he was just so wise and he just like, he got it. And I know sometimes he was ridiculed because he, you know, maybe played selfishly or whatnot, but he like really got it. And he really was creating, um, he was really using his platform to create this bigger, wider, broader picture. And for me, when he talks about that Mamba mentality, like I get it. And I think he is 100%, um, he has left his legacy. Like his, and I think that his legacy will continue to carry out because he, literally like lived what he preached and he lived he lived it every single day and we got to see that and so I think that that's why it hit so hard because we we almost feel like the biggest was yet to come like he had was working for bigger and better things and he was putting laying those seeds and like really getting it going and so I I foresee um all of his mamba um, like his academy and all of his Mamba mentality efforts and his foundation. And I feel, I feel like that they're going to continue to grow, even though he is not here to see it. One of the seeds that he actually planted before his tragic passing was actually partnering with you in terms of you were doing things with the Mamba Sports Academy recently. You just started, right? Yeah. I'm like, Ugh, like I, it just makes me so sad because that was one of my 2020 goals. Like it was already happening and working. Um, but like my 2020 goals was to really work with him and like meet him. And that was in the works to, um, meet him and everything that he was doing. And he really was wanting to invest in women athletics across the board it's still going to continue to happen. And I just feel thankful that, you know, the seeds were already planted and that, that foundation is already there. I feel more of a responsibility now to carry that out and see that through. And like, I want to help in his mission um, and impacting young ladies and and being able to continue on his um, legacy by partnering with them and doing all those things. So makes me so sad. I know it is sad, but the positive is knowing that that impact is there. And, and yeah, you know, this is a, a softball podcast. We're part of the softball community, but this is about sports and this is really about life. You know, it transcends all of that. And it's just so important that we all are in it together. Right. Right. Well, to wrap up, I have a question for you, a fun one. Don't worry. (laughs) Not a hard one. Like you stumped me on the other ones. (laughs) No, a fun one. Well, actually it might be tough, but in a fun way, if you had to choose only one, would you prefer to just lay down a textbook slap and beat the defense to get on base or making a play at shortstop and making the slapper go back to the dugout and sit down? So basically like, what's your favorite way to beat people? Offense or defense? Oh, God. <laughs> My favorite way of beating people is definitely offensively. 
for sure. Cause there's just like this power in it. My favorite way to practice and prepare was like defense. So I don't know if mm. that wasn't your question, but like, I loved, I love defense, but I don't know. Yeah. You know what? There, I said it. Yeah. Like I always feel bad because I'm like, I love defense. Defense wins championships, but <laughs> for sure the power and the adrenaline that you get when you just like literally like just beat somebody like head to head, it's a foot race. There's no better feeling than that, Jenna. So I'm going with that. I, I respect that. I think <laughs> like you said, that's all about being that spark plug. I, I respect it. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Natasha. I feel like Hopefully I was kind of keeping my cool the whole time, but 10 year old me inside is kind of like screaming and jumping for joy that we got to do this. So thank you. (laughs) So cute. Thank you. And so proud of you. This is awesome. And thanks for allowing me to um, speak the game with you. So much fun. Absolutely. Anytime, anywhere I'm down. Thanks everyone for listening. Again, Believe in Softball is available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, of course, Believe.com and on social at Believe Podcast. Subscribe, rate, share, do it all. Slide in my mentions on Twitter at JennaBacera01. Let me know what you think and any questions you got. Thanks, y'all. Catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.